Hello, it's David here. Thank you for listening to The Leader. We bring you news, analysis and commentary every day at 4pm. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. And we love it when people give us a review too. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Lockdown 2.0 is coming. The prospect of a second wave was real. And I'm sorry to say that as in Spain and France and many other countries, we've reached a perilous turning point. Boris Johnson outlined the changes in Parliament. The Evening Standard's Jonathan Prynne explains what they are and what they'll do to the country. Also... That is exactly what the intensive care doctor at the Royal London told me that, yes, they are better prepared and they give me three key reasons why that is. Our health editor Ross Lydell on how hospitals are prepared for the feared second wave that's behind the new restrictions. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, what are the new lockdown restrictions? This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reid, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I now call the Prime Minister to make his statement. Prime Minister, Mr Speaker, uh, with your permission, I will make a statement on our response to the rising number of coronavirus cases and how we must act now to avoid still graver consequences later on. In the House of Commons, Boris Johnson insisted the country is not going into full lockdown, but the measures are draconian. 10pm curfews on pubs, backed up by fines and threats to shut down offenders. Masks have to be worn in restaurants, including when going to the toilet. You also need one in a taxi or private car hire. Wedding guest numbers have been halved from 30 to 15, but funerals are exempt from that. Plans to allow people back to Premier League matches have been scrapped. And after months of telling people to go back to the office, the guidance is now, don't, and for quite a while. Mr Speaker, we will spare no effort in developing vaccines, treatments, new forms of mass testing. But unless we palpably make progress, we should assume that the restrictions I have announced will remain in place for perhaps six months. Our editorial column says the Prime Minister's had his say, 
Now let's hear from the Chancellor. Even as the government ramps up its anti-virus strategy, it is preparing to ramp down its economic one of support. In the coming days, Rishi Sunak must step up and tell us how he will use the Treasury's clout to soften the coming blow to the economy. There are many good businesses with bright long-term futures that deserve help. Allow them to collapse now, and we will regret it in decades hence. After 9-11, people declared we would never work in skyscrapers again, or board aeroplanes. So while market forces should be allowed to prevail in general, the Chancellor must continue to offer a helping hand. The Evening Standards, Jonathan Prynne is with me. Jonathan, we've got curfews, fines, don't go back to the office, wedding guest lists are being ripped up right now, and it's going to go on for six months. How is this going to affect the UK's economy? How is it going to affect the people who live here? Uh, it's a massive backward step. I think, uh, I think people will look back on the, the heady days of August when we seem to be emerging from the sort of chrysalis of, of lockdown in the beautiful weather. We've all been paid £10 to go and help, eat out to help out. And it all felt like a sort of a brave new world almost. But this feels like, you know, winter is coming and it's coming very quickly. It's going to be devastating, I fear, for, for much of central London uh, and, and very tough for the country as a whole. We're seeing some of the continuing effects of the first lockdown coming through, aren't we, with Whitbread, which owns places like Premier Inn and Brewers Fair. They're announcing 6,000 redundancies. That came even before the Prime Minister's announcement today. Yes, um, and what we're seeing in those sorts of announcements, as you say, is the, the knock-on effect from the, the first round of, of restrictions and, and the lockdown, which, um, in the case of Whitbread, resulted in, a, I think it was 76 or 77% fall in revenue in the first half of their financial year. I think most people had hoped that, yes, the first half of the year would be, you know, we knew that was going to be horrendous, but, you know, the... the the slope of the uh, of the second stroke of the V, as it were, would would be quite steep, and that the bounce back and recovery would be would be rapid and and strong. That now looks very unlikely. Um, it looks like we will at best probably bump along the bottom for over the winter. But given that we've already lost more than ten percent of economic output this year, it's really really heavy news, I think. And uh, sadly, I think. By the end of the year, we're going to be looking at huge levels of unemployment, huge levels of business failure, insolvencies and bankruptcies and so on, and, and, a, and a really tough outlook. And this work from home guidance, how's that going down with businesses and with people who were going back into the office, Jonathan? Because we've had for months now, get back to work, go back to the office. We've had companies spending lots of money to make sure their offices are safe. We've had people going onto the tube and taking the risks of catching coronavirus to get to the office because they were told it was a good thing to do, and now they're being told, go home. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, very confusing message. It's very, very difficult for people, I think. I think most people will probably now take the view that they will just stay at home. There's, there's no point in... I think the, you know, the government messaging is now, in a way, quite quite undermined that people just take a fairly long-term view. Oh, the government doesn't know what's going on. Um, I'm going to stay at home. I can do my job from home, and that's where I'm safest. That's where I've been for the last six months. And I think the job of getting people back into the office when this is all finally over um, is going to be 
that much harder now simply because people don't trust the messaging that things are getting better because they just think things are going to get worse again. And will there be more pressure on the government, particularly on the Chancellor, to come up with more measures like the furlough scheme, which is coming to an end, or eat out to help out, which help people? Is the government going to have to conjure up something new to get through this? I think inevitably it's going to have to for some specific parts of the economy that are particularly badly hit. Because we thought initially that this was going to be a um, you know, relatively short emergency, a set of emergency measures that would be followed by a rebound in, in the autumn and so on, which obviously isn't going to happen. Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, sort of threw everything in his armoury at, at, at lockdown 1.0, uh, which means that the public borrowing figures are going to be off the scale um, catastrophic this year. 350 billion of borrowing, maybe. The measures are going to be, have to be much smaller scale, much more targeted and much, um, much cheaper, frankly. Furlough, for example, I think that's unlikely to be repeated or even extended. That's going to leave people much more exposed to the, to the really cold, chilly winds of economic reality that come with this pandemic. Next. There is the hope that the mortality rate will be reduced, but of course there may not be a reduction in the number coming through the door. That largely depends on the social distancing measures. Ross Lydell, as the country locks down, the hospitals open up. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When the first wave of coronavirus passed, dedicated intensive care units were quietly mothballed as the figures rise again, though, some are reopening. Among them, the Royal London, the biggest in the capital, which can take in up to 150 patients on ventilators. Our health editor, Ross Lydell's here. Ross, this is a strong sign, really, that some doctors are quite worried about what's to come. Yes, I think this is a pretty good finger in the air to see which way the wind is blowing. Intensive care doctors at Royal London, the... Um, massive hospital in Whitechapel. They couldn't afford to open two of the floors there. The 14th and 15th floors were left essentially in mothballs, just empty shelves. There was just nothing in them whatsoever, apart from some concrete posts. But when the first wave came March-April time, the trust bosses at Parts Health got some money from the Department of Health, essentially opened the floors, and towards the end of the first wave in May, 
they got the 15th floor ready, turned it into a COVID critical care unit, uh, both intensive care and high dependency beds, and they treated about 30 people there towards the end of it. Then they pretty soon shut it down again over the summer because there was simply no demand. They were almost down at zero patients. But what they're now saying is that probably the next few days, they will reopen the 15th floor and will use it for critical care for COVID patients. This won't be for all COVID patients, as far as I understand it. This will be rather for the ones who need ventilation. But there had been, Ross, an apparent fall in the number of infections in London recorded, hadn't there? Yes, well, I think here we have uh, entered the realms of some pretty dodgy data. So Public Health England publishes weekly figures which shows the incidence diagnosed COVID. I think it's important to say borough by borough. That normally comes out every Friday afternoon. And it can be quite a statistical nightmare to actually crunch the data to work out who's up, who's down, who's staying the same. And what analysis of the figures which came out on Friday showed yesterday was that about 27 of the 33 boroughs had gone down in terms of the proportion of people testing positive because it's always given as a number per 100,000 residents, which of course didn't seem right at all because the entire message seemed to be that actually cases were increasing quite sharply in London and elsewhere in the country, but London was one of the two sort of emerging hotspots, if you like. So what happened last night was that Public Health England in London said essentially don't believe these data. These figures are only one of several measures we use to calculate the overall number of cases. Because of course, these particular data relate to people who turn up for a test at a test and trace centre. And one, we know that these are people who have had lots of trouble actually getting tests. There has been a constraint on the number of tests available. And these are also generally people with symptoms. Many people won't have symptoms, but will be infected. Hence, we shouldn't really believe any sense that the infections are going down. The more accurate measure, of course, is to look at the number admitted to hospital, which is something you can't argue with. Uh, either there's somebody in a bed or there's somebody not in a bed. And these figures show that in the last week, compared to the week before, there were about just over 200 people admitted with COVID to London hospitals. The previous week, it was under 100. So it's more than doubled in a week. I was watching Boris Johnson's uh, statement to Parliament earlier and he was talking about how the country is much better prepared for COVID this time around. There's better equipment, there's better drugs and the doctors know better about how to treat it. Is that what medics have been telling you? That is exactly what Professor Rupert Pierce, the intensive care doctor at the Royal London, told me that yes, they are better prepared. And they gave me sort of three key reasons why that is. The first is in relation to medicines. There was a steroid that was discovered for use in COVID patients, which was particularly good at reducing mortality. And that's now become standard practice. The other thing they have discovered is the danger of blood clots. Uh, a, a number of deaths were found to have been caused by blood clots passing from the legs and other parts of the body to the lungs and then causing cardiovascular collapse. And the the third thing is just the the better use of PPE. The staff now are, you know, very well versed at putting PPE on and off and they also know about creating COVID safe areas such as they're doing with the 15th floor at the Royal London areas where COVID patients are kept and also kept away from others and reducing the risk of infection spreading within hospital. The other thing they mentioned actually, which is another key thing in terms of the medicine, is that previously they would actually look to dehydrate slightly 
COVID patients in the belief that that would protect their lungs. But what they found was that dehydrating them would end up causing a more severe kidney injury. So the combination of using the steroids, not dehydrating these people and uh, sort of better practices, there is the hope that the mortality rate will be reduced. But of course, there may not be a reduction in the number coming through the door. That largely depends on the social distancing measures. And that's Alida. You can keep up with all the latest developments with the Evening Standards live blog, which you'll find at standard.co.uk. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. <laughs>